What's up, Stop Sinking family? Welcome back to the show, where we go from struggle to flow. This show is for people who want more out of life, who are not afraid to throw away the guarantee for a chance at something bigger. If you've ever listened to any of my shows in the past, or if this is your first one, if you get something out of it, I ask that you share it with at least one other person. I also wouldn't turn away a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you're listening to this on. Appreciate you guys. Let's get to the show. Often, I find myself in a flurry of activity. And at times, it's what I deem productive, what I'm doing. It's in line with what I should be doing or plan to do at that time. But many times, I'm trapped in what seems like never-ending action Just going from one thing to another without knowing what I should be doing. Not exactly being in touch with what I should do in the next moment to contribute back to the plan. I've lost touch with how the time being spent fits into anything else. It's what I realize is negative momentum. Feeling like I'm on a roll and gaining speed, but in a direction I have lost total control over. It's like when you're snacking, but you're not even hungry. It's like you're stuck in a pattern and keep reaching for the bag to eat one more chip and one more chip. You don't even stop to ask yourself if you're done. The signal to being done is when the bag of chips is finished. It's some external visual representation that presents a roadblock to continue the activity. It's a so-called decision-making point. Where if you wanted to continue, you would have to either get up and get another bag of chips or sit there and just consider yourself done. A moment to make a decision. But what does that roadblock, that break in munching represent that could be accomplished internally instead of this external roadblock of the chip bag finishing? I'm inquisitive to figure out what is it about the bag finishing that becomes a decision-making point that could be accessed maybe after half a bag or after two chips. How can it come from internally? The same thing to me happens with other activities. I can seem busy, probably doing some low-level, low-dollar productive activity that may or may not even contribute to the overall. I can be lost in it. But it isn't exactly clear why I'm doing it at that exact moment. Maybe I'm fooling myself to feel like I'm contributing, but realistically doing so at a very low effort to reward ratio. It's filling up the time, but detached from what else it could be filled by that would create bigger impact. But how would I even know that? I'm not even aware or always aware that I'm even doing this until I stop and take inventory and realize that I'm feeding myself low-level activity after another. Just to feel productive, to feel like I'm moving forward. And this taking of inventory is where I'm realizing the power lies. In taking a purposeful pause at regular intervals throughout the day 
I realize this usually happens for me again through external forces. Like the finishing of the bag when eating chips. When I finish one activity and I'm forced to stand up for a second to maybe go use the bathroom. In this short trip to the bathroom while I'm forcefully pulled away from jumping from the last activity to the next activity is where I access this other part of me that can review all that I've been doing and actually assess if what I've been doing is actually filling and contributing to the parts that are depleted and need attention or am I, again, overstuffing and overfeeding the easy and low-cost ones? Even a three-minute pause while peeing can save you from doing what doesn't need to be done right now. It's an opportunity to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And ask yourself, is this the one thing I should be working on that makes other things easier or unnecessary? It's a moment of awareness. The power lies in the pause between a stimulus and a response. What becomes paramount is the reflection and the choice you have in that moment to shift focus or to affirm focus. And the more I think about this, the more I realized we need to have flexibility in our brains to go between planning and doing. And I don't, I don't mean deep planning. That's probably something best put off for a specific time during the week or a month that is really dedicated to planning, to outlining the overall goal and that whatever you're going to work towards and determining the tasks that need to be accomplished to get that goal done and accomplished, you can't expect yourself to go and plan a go-to-market strategy on a daily basis. Deep planning is best done at periodic intervals and milestones that anchor your day-to-day activities. Deep planning definitely involves a different part of your brain, and it's not what I'm proposing to become flexible with doing. What I mean by flexibility between this planning and doing is that after each doing, at set intervals like the Pomodoro, after every 25 minutes you take a five-minute break, like after each second or fifth chip, maybe you take a break, You take the five minutes to recall your overall plan, scrutinize the last 25 minutes and how you spent it, and the upcoming 25 minutes that you're going to spend, and determine if what you're doing actually fits into the plan. It's why they tell you to eat slow or wait 10 to 20 minutes before taking that third plate of food. Your mind and body need time to catch up to each other. And if you just keep your body moving, your mind may be too late in telling you that you've had too much or you did too much of the wrong thing. This pause, this purposeful interval of reflection can detach from the runway view of the doing and float above it for a few minutes with a 50,000 foot view and determine if the bricks are being placed in the right order in the right place. It's a way of reining in the distractibility and tweaking your effort in accordance to the plan. I find that the voice that speaks to me from this observational standpoint is somehow wiser and more seeing 
than the one caught up in the doing. It's a voice that can provide guidance versus one that executes. It's a voice I can rely on. It's the conscientious employee and manager being led by the visionary. Without being grounded to the overall vision, most execution is futile. I think the problem is a lot of us are corrupted. Our reward system is corrupted by having jobs. Where more often than not at a job, usually at our lower positions, we have a faint connection to the vision. And we are rewarded for activity, just for activity's sake. We are rewarded for just being a good cog in the system. And are seldom shown how we fit into the overall mechanism and what difference we make. We're so used to looking busy and doing whatever to show that we are working, that we are a good cog. We can't fully connect our efforts and know if it even makes a difference. These jobs, having a job, sets up a fake world detached from the real cost and rewards of your activities. In the real world, as a business owner or a creative, there isn't someone there telling you what to work on next. You have to be the visionary. And operating and negotiating in the real world, your incentives are to make a noticeable difference towards your goal. You aren't rewarded just for activity. Your activities and execution, what you work on next, needs to be in touch with your overall vision. Without anyone there telling you what the next thing to work on is, you yourself have to prioritize what contributes to that vision in the highest possible way. And then only you are there to hold yourself accountable to it. So it's this constant dance of the doer and the seer, the seer and the doer. You have to have this flexibility between the planning and the doing mode, this visionary and the employee. To determine what is the most productive way to contribute and then get down to the contributing. One without the other leaves you vulnerable to the realities of the world. The world where only what makes the highest impact is what's rewarded and keeps you employed. A purposeful pause has other powers that has had real implications in the world. And if you are to solve that problem, to realize that vision, to contribute in the highest possible way, you have to have access to this power. There is science behind the pause that has contributed to the greatest of inventions and art. When solving a problem, your brain focuses in on understanding the parameters of the problem and does its best from its attentive state to tackle it from all angles. Usually after a period of focused thinking, most problems are solved during the pauses, what they call diffused thinking where all focused parameters are loosened and the brain correlates unrelated things and applies it to your problem. Where the greatest inventions and art have come from. I've 
somehow been the one who comes up with all the company names and the project names. And it's always been a process. I will literally pull up a thesaurus and start by looking at all the words by a specific letter. Boring and tiresome. And sometimes I will throw out multiple names without fear of judgment, without sounding silly and maybe sounding like it's too much. And maybe after a couple hours of tireless brainstorming, tiring brainstorming, I will get up and go to the bathroom. And somehow in that five minutes while I'm away, I will usually have come back with the name that we've ended up going with. I've almost started to expect this pattern. A lot of people share that they've had their best ideas in the shower or driving or other repetitive activities. These are what they call artist brain activities. Your brain requires your hands to be busy for it to work and solve problems you have been deliberately trying to use your brain to solve. And you can't solve a problem from the same level of thinking that created it or recognized it or even set it as a goal to solve. That's where the pause provides. The main problem for our generation and the most useful purpose of the pause isn't the same used by Edison focused intently and needing to pause to invent the next thing or for Salvador Dali to use the pause and create the next surrealist masterpiece. What we need the pause more than anything is to loosen the grip of distraction. There are forces working against you to steal your attention that they have done as little as possible to remove any second of breaks between feeding you the next thing. It's why it's so easy to spend an hour on TikTok from one 10-second video to the next, having your dopamine stimulated with over 300 hits before something pulls you away. Without a break, constant mindless scrolling is plaguing our generation. China, who has a more authoritarian control over their internet, knows this. They've helped create some of these technologies, but they know this. And for their own people, they force a five-second break after a certain amount of videos to give your brain the pause to think and ask yourself if you should still be doing this activity and giving you the opportunity to stop and move on. It's almost like Without the pause, we have no power over ourselves and our minds. The most common way people give up their power is by not realizing that they have any. We will stay stuck and glued to the screen until something interrupts us. Probably the next thing that'll distract us for the next two hours. The news feed on all apps is designed to compel you into submission. Netflix says their biggest competition is sleep. They're so confident that your mind is starving that as long as you are awake, they know they can feed you. Because we are desperate for activity. We don't pause long enough to realize that activity does not equal accomplishment. Not all activity is the same. And a lot of times our desperation to remain active is an attempt to mask emotions 
that we are not willing to sit with. We seek distractions and attempt to stay busy to not take a hard look at what our body is feeling. That we may be using distraction and these scrolling videos as a way to have parasocial relationships and supplement our internal feelings of loneliness. Or maybe we pick up the phone every time we feel a bit of anxiety. It's something to do with my hands while my head and my heart are on hiatus. There's something to be discovered in these triggers leading to distraction. Only a purposeful pause in this moment can reel me back to reality and help me realize what those triggers are pointing to. I literally have to catch myself in a second while I'm reaching for the phone and then trace back the preceding thought that mindlessly led me to reach for it. Only in that pause can I discover what was the feeling that led me there. Using the trigger as a way to identify and discover what it is that I'm hiding and running away from. And again, the pause provides. In a world of instant everything, I'm asking you to delay gratification. Before switching from one thing to another, before going from one thing to the next, I'm finding what helps me is that moment of reflection. It grounds my productivity. It reduces my distractions. It tempers what feels like compulsions and allows me to take the power back of my own attention and direction in my life. So a couple questions for you. How will you use this pause to realign to your goal? Maybe you'll use the Pomodoro style five-minute breaks to reflect and relax. Standing up, stretch, go outside for a minute, take inventory. Use the break to ask yourself, is this what I should be doing right now? What should I work on next? How will you use the pause to minimize distractions? Put a rubber band on your phone as a visual signal that you shouldn't be reaching for it. Put a background image that reminds you to focus or something that motivates you. Use a Chrome extension to kill all the news feeds. Use a focus app to kill all the main websites. Use the pause to minimize your distractions. And how will you use the pause to discover your motivations and emotions? Use the actual tendency to reach for your phone as a trigger itself to pause and reflect on why the phone ended up in your hand in the first place. Same thing with why you ended up back on the specific website like Facebook or YouTube. What are you running away from? Use them as a trigger to become aware of your motivations and leading emotions. I love you, family. See you in the next one. Pause.